This is How's It China with Cliff Central and China Plus. Download the podcast on the Cliff Central website, app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week, for those people who don't already know, we are busy with How's It China, and today we get to episode four of a series which I think is becoming increasingly popular. We're we're finding that lots and lots of people are suddenly very interested and curious about China. They're interested in South Africans who are living in China. They're interested in Chinese people in South Africa. I found out some interesting things yesterday. There are over three hundred thousand Chinese living in South Africa, and over two hundred thousand of them are in Johannesburg. Did you know that, Pumi? Don't you remember Mr. Walter Pond mm-hmm. told us all about this? That's right. But I found also, this out from the the Chinese Consul General yesterday. Well, that's interesting. But living in Joburg, it's the place to be. Guys. Clearly, it's clearly. the place to be. Well, I'll tell you what. Some young South Africans are leaving South Africa to go and live in China. Some are moving to teach English in parts of China, and some are furthering their studies in China's renowned universities. In today's episode of How's It China, we'll be speaking to South Africans who live and have lived in China, and we'll be talking about their experiences there. So, I want to welcome to the studio. A couple of guests. First of all, Boitabi Somokwayana is going to join us on Skype, and we're going to talk to Asi and to Tsepiso, who are in the studio with us as well. Very nice to see you guys, and we'll welcome uh, Boitabiso in a second on on the line. Nice to have you guys here. Thanks for having us. Thank sure, you very much. what an absolute pleasure. It's great to have you here, uh, Boitabiso. Are you there? Yes, I am. Hi there. Ah, fantastic. Good we have morning. a full compliment. Well, we've got a lot to hey. talk. We've got a lot to talk to you guys about this morning. So let me just introduce all of our guests properly. Uh, Tsepiso Malele is a chartered marketer. He's been working for Brand South Africa for over four years as a marketing manager. And he was Brand South Africa's country head in China in 2017. And that's when he lived there. Uh, Asi Lili, who's here, she's from the Eastern Cape. She studied at the University of the Free State and moved to China to pursue an MBA at Peking University, lived in Beijing for some time. Asi, it's very nice to see you. Thank you, guys. You also had a YouTube channel and still have the YouTube channel, Asi in Asia, where you share all your adventures in and around China. And she was in the Chinese media industry. That's correct. That's right. As a TV show host, she's now back in SA. A real-life celebrity. Absolutely. (laughs) And on the line, uh, Boitabiso, who is in Beijing, China. She's in marketing and communications at YCIS Beijing, which is an international British school there. She initially moved to China to work as an English teacher by day and was an events organizer and blogger after hours. But she's originally from Frankfurt in the Free State. How's that? So, yeah, some love for the free state. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, a lot of it's not by Stutterheim. Yes. All right. Well, Boitavi, so you're on the, you're on the line. So let me ask you, first of all, um, what is the lifestyle like since you're in China still? Karaoke, nightlife, Chinese people, foreigners. What goes on over there? There's a lot that goes on here. I always say to people that when you move here, don't ever think that you'll have nothing to do. There's always something constantly happening. Um, you know, people, I think whenever, in, in terms of the nightlife especially, people think there's nothing like that. They think, what, in China, nightlife, what's that? But there's a variety of things. There are a lot of art spaces, um, a lot of restaurants. That's one of the things that we all enjoy doing here. There's a lot of eating that goes on. There's a huge culture of eating out. 
Um, I don't remember the last time I cooked because it's that easy and so easily accessible as well. But there's quite a lot. And also because of such a huge expert community, um, you also find that people from different communities are constantly organizing different events. So we also find an opportunity, we have an opportunity to learn a lot about other cultures through whether it's workshops, whether it's personal development things or just partying. Or just hang out. Just party. There's a lot going on. Nothing wrong with that. All right. Well, we we did discuss nope. in in our tourism and travel episode not so long ago. And any of you feel free to jump in. Um, Asi and Tapiso, please. You know, we we want to hear your thoughts as well. I've just I've prioritized Boy Tabiso because she's on the line, and you know how that sometimes goes down. <laughs> and she's busy. She's off to a meeting. Yeah, she's off to a meeting. She's got <laughs> stuff to do. So. Yeah. Let's just talk for a moment about the food because oh. we did touch on this during the travel. Is that a taxi hooting in the background? There was a taxi, right? They taxis are hooting. She's in a yes. DD. <laughs> they hoot. DD life. DD life. Um, so joke. W- w- tell me about the food because it's very different to the food you'd have in South Africa, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so one of the things when I came here, I was briefly vegetarian when I was in South Africa. But when I made the decision to come to China, I threw that out the window because I really wanted to experiment with food. And considering how huge China is, I knew that I had to um, just throw myself in there. There's a lot of good food. Um, and I think also if you go vegetarian, there are so many options. Um, in particular, I enjoy food from um, Yunnan. I know a lot of people enjoy Yunnanese food. And I always say when you come to China, I think that's the best way to enter into the Chinese food space if you, you, you're a bit nervous about trying out different things. But I love Yunnanese food. I love noodles. Their noodles are so good. Honestly, I could eat noodles every single day. That's something I really enjoy. Asi's busy shaking her head here in, in agreement. So I no! Think, oh, yeah, in no, agreement. no, she agrees. No, she agrees. So <laughs> what is it about Yunnanese food? I mean, I don't, I don't know the, the, the differences here. So talk, give us some intel so we can sound smart when we talk to people. Well, I guess the, the biggest reason why I'm agreeing with her is just because there's so many options. Every province in China offers you an absolutely unique experience in terms of food. I was never a foodie. I'm not big on food at all, but when I got to China, I was like, I don't eat rice, I don't eat noodles, I'm a bit worried. I got there and I was like, man, why was I even worried? There is so much food, so much variety. Um, in Beijing, you've got the Peking duck, which is the Beijing duck, which is absolutely divine. I don't know how they make that thing. I should have learned how to do it, but maybe in the future. And then there's uh, provinces that are actually just popular for certain types of food. So, for example, Sichuan food, which is very spicy. And then if you move more southeast or just towards the east, the food tends to be a bit sweeter. Um, and there's provinces where, um, well, people eat lamb. So in Inner Mongolia, people are always having lamb. So I've actually experienced a spit braai, but it's manual. Literally with my hands, rolling that sheep over and over. <laughs> And we first slaughtered the thing. I was like, well, luckily I'm a village girl, so I'm not scared. The other guy that was with me was dying. He's like, oh my goodness, they're going to kill it in front of me. But it was, it was, it was an amazing experience, really. Yeah. So, so you almost were in the free state, but, but far away. Kinda. Yeah. Slaughtering sheep. No, no. Open fire. Um, my goodness. Uh, so, you, I mean, you lived in China for a long time and you were responsible there for, Obviously, brand South Africa, that's a big deal. But what kinds of culture shock things do South Africans not expect when they get to China? And what sort of things shocked you when you arrived? And I don't mean shock in a horrible way. I mean, like, what was surprising? Like how? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think the I mean the first thing that hits you when you when you arrive is just the sheer scale of everything. You know, you leave from Johannesburg and you think you can handle anything. You know, you've traveled around the world, you've seen a few places, then you land slap bang in the middle of Beijing and everything is just humongous. Millions and millions of people, skyscrapers everywhere. Brand new skyscrapers that come. You leave Beijing for a month, you come back, there's half a skyscraper that's already come up. So it's really, um, it can be quite daunting um, walking around, uh, walking around the streets of Beijing um, with people staring at you, you know, with a lot of interest. Um, obviously, they aren't that, they aren't as many, um, you know, uh, uh, black people, African people walking around. So, whenever so people stare at you. With interest, yes. With, so what people, does that even mean? With interest, it's obviously not a side eye, but I like. No, it's not a side eye. It's, it's, it's a it's a friendly curiosity. They so like, like to people learn touch about you? you. They're interested in where you come from. Uh, it, yes, I've, I've I've been touched before in the, in the subway, <laughs> That's so wrong. but uh, <laughs> not That's in a bad way. Thing. That is my worst thing about being in a place where people. Are not used to seeing black people off TV. Mm. Is that people like touch? Absolutely. So I, I feel like obviously there's, as he's saying, it's it's curiosity. Some people have never seen a black person. So I think in the beginning it's a bit shocking. Yeah. But actually, once you learn to embrace it, it's beautiful. Because I'm always like, you touch me, I touch you. And we can have a very interesting conversation after that. Um, some of my friends saw, like, my palm. She was like, but I see you're a bit white on the other side. But I'm like, well, not really. It's just my palm that looks like this. So we can share stories. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so honest. It's absolutely. So, you know, it doesn't come from a bad place. It's you absolutely understand where they're coming from and through your interactions. And I think that's very important for South Africans who do go to China. Be open. Hear what they have to say. Share yeah. what you have to say. And, and, Boitabi, yeah. so let's not forget that China itself is a very diverse country. I mean, there are people who look very different in the north, south, east, and west, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that people constantly get wrong. Yes, it is to a certain extent a very homogenous country, but there are also very different in as much as we have different cultural practices. They have the same. And also, one of the things that I've noticed is how similar we also are. And it just goes back to that. People just giving themselves an opportunity to Girl. engage and really approach this experience with an open mind uh, and an interest to learn as well. <laughs> right. They start to sleep and we do the same. We do the same. <laughs> Absolutely. But, okay, yeah. so, but navigating, There's so many similarities. So, uh, but arriving and then navigating your way around mm-hmm. yeah. freaks me out to yeah. think that so, signs are not like written Actually, in English, are they? Well, if you're in Beijing, which is a big city, you can literally get around with so much ease. So I, I actually wrote something about how to get around if you don't speak Mandarin. If you have an address, you copy the Chinese address. You can show the taxi driver, this is where I'm going. If you show him in English, you can't read where that. Why do you copy the Chinese address from where? Most of the website will give you the location with the English name as well as the Chinese name. Or, and or else you screen munch. <laughs> Absolutely. screen munch as you go along. Yeah. That's my thing though, because they, because we're used to seeing characters in a particular way. Pictures. Right. <laughs> and then when you're there, they're used to seeing characters in a completely different way. So how, how is that for you, kind of arriving, and then you can't even see that that sign says exit? 
Well, well, well it's, uh, uh, yeah. it, it, it's part of it's part of the experience. Um, and, but eventually, yeah. you do start to recognize yeah. some of the more common uh, symbols. You know, you start to recognize Beijing. Okay. You know, um, and and some other characters that you you know that feature in your life. So you may not know precisely you know how to write it or how to draw it, but mm. you recognize it when you see it. So, boy, Tabby, so how good are you at that? Uh, what with what recognizing characters yeah. and things? Yeah. <laughs> I think I see the way better than I am. I'm I'm a bit terrible at it. It's embarrassing. I'm ashamed of myself. I know, but I have to mention as well how. Honestly, I've met Chinese people who are also very extremely helpful. Um, many of them are willing to help you out. I've made such good friends who are always ready to help me out with my deliveries and things like that. So sometimes I know people will say, no, it's so difficult if you don't speak the language. How, how will you maneuver the city? But you do have people who are really open to helping you out and help you just... Figure your way out around the city, but also I am learning Chinese still. Yay. I have class later, <laughs> so I'm trying, Gareth. But what in the world makes a girl from Frankfurt decide <laughs> I'm going to China? Like what? 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 What happened there? How did you make that decision? And and then how did you tell your parents that I am yeah. going to China? Yo, okay, yeah, that was a rough conversation with one of my parents. Um, but I was just, <laughs> I, I, I've always wanted to travel. I unfortunately did not have the opportunity to do it growing up, but I knew that this was something I wanted to do um, once I finished school. So when I had started working and... Oh. Nine to five, I figured it was time to just make... Mm. Oh, wait, wait, uh, okay, you go. Start that Okay. Boy, Tabby, so we're going to let you go because I know that you're about to catch a cab and go to a meeting in Beijing anyway. So she's busy, busy, busy. I see, I, I see you have an answer already for this question. <laughs> how do you, how do you decide to go to China out of all places? And, well, and what do you say to your parents? <laughs> it came at a time when I was looking to further my studies and somebody told me there is an opportunity. There's a scholarship available. And I thought, well, I could either work and study at the same time or completely just be a student, immerse myself in a new culture, learn a new language. And that for me was, was amazing. So I called my mom. I said, mama, I'm applying for a scholarship. What do you think? She was like, fantastic. I'll pray for you. I hope you get it. And I applied and I got it. And that was the beginning of some of the best, the best three years of my life, really. And you best can three years of your life. Literally. It's amazing. Are you, are you missing it now? Cause you're back quite a lot. So I've been making Chinese food for all my friends every night i think they're getting sick of it i taught my family how to eat with chopsticks and they were like your way is the fork <laughs> they didn't they didn't enjoy it too much but we had we had we had a good time and according to boy so you can speak quite well in mandarin you can write some too wow <laughs> Sounds professional enough. I said I mean, yes, I can speak Chinese. Damn. I got you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. We're uh, just nodding and smiling. Do you see yeah. that? We're just nodding and smiling. <laughs> okay. So, so how, what do we teach Chinese people when we're in in China about South African culture? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's that's an important point here because in my work uh, with Brand South Africa, uh, we needed to 
to build relations and build bridges between between the two countries, between the two peoples, so that we could position ourselves as a country um, to be able to to do more business and to attract more investment from from China. And what worked very well was actually building those human relation uh, relationships. And in our case, as you mentioned in the beginning uh, of the show, there are thousands and thousands of South Africans who are currently either traveling or living or working. Um, right across China yeah. And the way we've responded to it as, as Brand South Africa is to have a program Called the Global South Africans Program That actually um, Builds a network of these South Africans All around the world, not, not just in China And actually equip them, empower them And encourage them to Promote uh, South African culture Within the country wherever they're living With their friends, the people Their neighbors, uh, at the schools where they're teaching and likewise, uh, with, so with it's like Chinese, a network, right? Essentially, it's a network because you three building. know each other. I mean, you've you've all actually yeah. met. And What's that look? Yeah. So, What's that look? So funny enough, we were actually having a quick discussion about it earlier on. As humongous as Beijing is, I actually met Asi in Beijing. I met uh, Boitabiso in Beijing. So I know I know both Amazing. ladies. Oh. Do you all go to the same karaoke bars? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Is there like a karaoke bar for the South Africans? I had actually never even been to a karaoke bar. No, but you, need, no, to, you, you need to change that. So, oh. So, so what happened was, um, I mean, Buitabiso is gone now, but she is very active in coordinating activities and bringing South Africans together, um, so that we can, you know, you can network, you can be, uh, be have a, some kind of support structure yeah. and party, as as, as as she said. It's amazing. Um, because in the beginning, you do need that support. As yeah. I arrived there, I arrived in Beijing all by myself with my suitcase and my laptop, and I needed to figure things out. And fortunately, within two days of arriving there, mm. I was introduced to Buitariso on WeChat. I hadn't met her yet. That's right. And she was hosting a party that Saturday, and I attended the party, wow. and I met probably 30 or 40 South Africans. Party. Yeah. Yes. Yo, I need to know about this karaoke bar thing, because it's one of my favorite things, right? Karaoke. And, like, top of the list. Every it's, time you see it. Come on, Gareth, don't laugh like that. You've seen it in all the movies. It's next the, level like, in China. Literally, right? I had, for my birthday as well, we had dinner and then karaoke and then we go out. Because we <laughs> That's need not to... even the going out. It's the pregame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's a room. They'll bring you popcorn. And it's, like, always, like, these golden rooms with these fancy couches. There's screens everywhere, amazing microphones, and it's. And then what's really nice is when the foreigners start singing in Chinese. That's when you're like, yes, we are now living our China life. It's it's absolutely amazing. Really, you feel so proud. I can read these characters. I am singing with oh, these characters. It's in the characters. Yes. Oh Lord, that is phenomenal. <laughs> All right, no. First of all, the karaoke is the pregame. You're not out yet. You're just warming up yeah, for a night that's out. A warm up. So that's quite cool. <laughs> quite cool. And I'm very disappointed uh, in you, Tepiso, that all those years, all those years, you never went to a karaoke bar. So you where know, did you go? I mean, like, aside, <laughs> too much work. Oh, come on. Chinese people work hard too. They also need to relax. They yes, play they hard yeah. at the pregame karaoke party. True. <laughs> So what kinds of things did you do in your spare time? So in my spare time, I basically, I explored. I walked around a lot. Um, yeah. I tried to find new spots, spots to sit and read at, mm-hmm. people watch, um, a little bit of traveling in between whenever I could. So right. I went to, you know, took the train out to, uh, to Tianjin for a weekend. 
Um, I was in Hong Kong once, once in a while. So I try to explore and just to make as much contact, um, outside contact as possible so that I could get a good perspective of, uh, of, of China. And you get that through interactions with people in the streets, in the shops, in restaurants. Okay. People so watching on. is a good one. People watching is a good one because it's, it's what you do when you're like out in strange places. So as you were people watching. Yeah. What did you see? That you were kind of like, hey. So, <laughs> what I saw was a vibrant, a vibrant China. I saw a youth that was um, very energetic. They were in touch with the latest trends, on top of fashion. So here's the other thing that people don't understand uh, or don't know about Beijing. <laughs> Beijing is ultra fashionable. And you see things that you have not seen here. We are very conservative as South Africans when it comes to fashion. Really? If we think we're fashion forward, we haven't seen anything yet. So you go to Beijing, there are all sorts of styles, all sorts of combinations, hairstyles. People are really adventurous when it comes to fashion. So did you feel a bit boring by comparison? I mean, or, or did you very quickly acclimatize and start getting so a little bit? So did you become those people? Were you like yeah. out there in the... You were a celebrity. Surely you did. So, you know what? Online shopping is a big thing in China. And before I could even speak Mandarin, I was shopping online. They told me, Asi, there's Taobao, there's JD, you need to shop. I said, okay, I can't read a thing, but I can see pictures. I got shopping. And what I used to do is, because then the delivery man comes downstairs and he's trying to tell me stuff and I don't know what he's saying. I'm like, yes. wait. Ni hao. And I'm like, he's like, blah, blah, blah. Um, I learned one sentence to say, I'm coming down. And I'm like, well, shall I? And I would run downstairs and hope he's there. And sometimes he wasn't there. He was telling me I'm coming tomorrow. But I learned. Or I would just give my phone to people next to me. Listen to this guy. Tell me what he's saying. Where are my clothes? It's, 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 it's crazy. I need to find out about the scholarship. Yeah, it sounds like we're like, plan. what? The scholarship was great. You could shop. Oh no, but things are quite affordable. And so how much did you bring back? You must have come with suitcase after stressful suitcase. Stressful amounts. Yeah. Oh yes. You accumulate a lot of, a lot of clothes. But part of the reason is, is because of the seasons. I mean, yeah. winter here is nothing, nothing compared to winter mm. in Beijing. So none of your winter clothes here are going to help when you get to Beijing. Absolutely. You need to buy everything, right? So From the vests <laughs> Did uh, you know that before the you got there or was it a surprise? I knew Beijing was cold, but once you're out there and the wind is blowing and you feel like death and you're walking in the street, you don't have a car remember? We're so spoiled here we're used to driving, get into the car, you yeah. switch on the heater, you park in the basement and you enter the building. You don't even feel winter even if it's really cold here. In Beijing you're on the road, you're in the streets, you're catching cabs, you're in, in the subway so you are exposed to mm. the elements and so you need to have the right kind of clothes. What, what are the things if you're a South African going to China, perhaps to live, maybe you're going there to spend a, a lot of time like you did, Asi. What are the things that you, you should know before you go? Like what should you take Mm -hmm. um, what kinds of, of ideas should you have? What should you yeah. prepare? You know? Okay. Well, I guess this is now for the girls. If you are going up there and you are a brown skin girl, take some brown skin girl foundation because that's not very easy to find. Um, and then if you're going to miss like eating South African food with South African spices, cause they will be fried chicken, but it's going to be the Chinese version. So maybe pack some spices. So these are all the things that I packed because right. my friends who were there before me, they told me, they're like, I see you need to pack foundation. You need to pack stockings in your skin tone because you might not be able to find that very easily. But besides that, I think mentally, just 
don't go there and eat McDonald's. Don't go there and eat KFC. Yeah, yeah. Experience China because that's what you're there for. Always think, can I do this at home? Because you are going to come back home. If you can do it at home, maybe do something else because you're missing out and there's so much going on. As Boita was saying, there's an event every weekend. There's people to meet. Obviously, you have to balance, especially if you're a student like myself. You need to have fun, but you gotta attend sure. your classes. You gotta, you know, follow how Chinese people do things because you, you're a visitor. You don't, you're not Chinese. So my most important question about Beijing and living in Beijing mm. is, are there really 10,000 bicycles in Beijing? Nine million, there's more. There's more, way more. Because now you must remember there was the... It's like 10 million or something, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> there was the rented bicycle. So the boom just came and there were so many companies that... that are in the industry right now So there's the bicycles that people own And there's the bicycles that you can rent So it's, 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 it's very exciting them? Every day Every day, yes. yeah. So it's so it's it won't be the bicycles that many people have in mind. This is bicycle 2.0. So remember, Ow. we moved on from the bicycles that we saw in the pictures in the 80s and 90s. In the song, um, and yeah. as Beijing grew, um, there was a, a lot of um, the motor industry has grown. There are millions of cars on the road. Um, the latest cars. So that's another misconception that some people may have. You will see the latest and the most personalized version of, you know, the most expensive brands of sports cars, luxury cars. But at the same time, the bicycle has also continued to grow. And this is, um, you know, as, as a way of moving around the city. So people will, um, you know, will use the bike sharing. Uh, bike sharing app, you pick mm. up, a, you get out of the subway, you pick up a bike and you um, ride a few blocks to your meeting and you drop it off there. And uh, in the afternoon, you pick up another bike elsewhere mm. and eventually you get back into your car and you drive out of, out of town. Absolutely. Wow. And what, 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 how's your life? Like what, what is different about living in China? Do you live, do people mostly live in apartments? I mean, you guys were in Beijing, right? So yeah. I would imagine in a city and, and, Really, even Joburg CBD is not like that because it's very much more kind of new, a lot of Beijing, right? A lot of the apartment buildings might even just be five to six years old, let alone, you know, the hundred-year-old ones we've got here in Joburg. Plus, they have state-of-the-art kind of fixtures and fittings and technology in them. But is the space small? Um, How do people live? What do you have in your apartment? What kinds of things are different to the way you would live here? Yes, so I, I went for the soft landing. I lived um, in the C, in the CBD of Beijing, um, where there were quite a number of expats in okay. in the building. It made things a little bit easier to adjust to. You know, there's a you could you know you can ask around. You you know, there are people who've who've been living there a year or two longer than you, so they can help you out. Um, um, if you need help with a cab downstairs, right. or if you get a call from the delivery guy, you literally just hand over the phone. And that's, and that's the one interesting thing that I, I remember. Um, wherever you go, you need to basically look out for the security guards or the, or the guys at the door because they are your best friend. You know, yeah, when your they'll cab, help you your, figure your, it all out. When your cab is getting lost and they're trying to find out which side <laughs> of the building you're on, like before they cancel on you, you need to hand your phone over to yep. whoever's standing at the door so that they can explain. Um, so yes, yeah, so, so so that's where I live. The space is not too bad. That's in Beijing. Uh, however, I did have some experience um, traveling to to Hong Kong frequently for work, and there, um, you know, when I visited friends, their apartments are really really tiny, and you pay a premium 
for for space. Um, what do you mean, really, really tiny? Like you walk in and bump into the bed? Yes, it can it can happen. I've got a friend who's paying a lot of money for a forty square meter two bedroom apartment. Two bedrooms in forty square meters, and she's boiling. Yes, that's how do you? That's a good property. Do you sleep upright in forty square meters (laughs) of apartment? Sure. Two bedrooms in forty square meters. Two bars. How big's the bed? That's it. So and and it gets worse. She's in an okay apartment. Wow. Um, but that's 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 Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. In Beijing, you you get a lot more space. Okay. Well, I, I lived a student life, so different different situation. So what kind also of place you did you stay? Also, you prioritized shopping. I was actually no no. I, well, I lived she on help campus. Uh-huh. I lived on campus, and I was very impressed by my room. It was massive, honestly, and I shared it with another person. Um, but we we had. Plenty of space I moved to a new university After that And the room was a lot smaller um, But still I mean As a student You just need a desk And a bed Not much more And you don't cook well, I never cooked in China So don't need a kitchen Or anything you, you order food online And they bring wow. it downstairs So it's And is it expensive To live there? Beijing more than other cities. I mean, Beijing is a first-tier yeah. city. So when you move to um, second-tier, third-tier, then things might be a lot cheaper. Mm. Um, but I think you can find affordable ways of what living in Beijing. What does that even mean, first-tier, second-tier? Like, is is Joburg first-tier and Durban yes, second-tier? Some, something like You're that. You're getting yes. it. Yeah. yeah, something like that. So just in terms of uh, the development, as the economy, the, the size of you know the, the city That's itself. Right. Um, yeah, Beijing, Beijing is up there. Mm -hmm. So you can, as Asi says, you know, you can, if you explore, you can find affordable solutions. You can find affordable food. So if you eat local food, um, it's, you know, the the cost of solutions. Solutions. I love that. Like you can find affordable solutions. the, The thing is people default to what they know. And what they're accustomed to. Mm. So you'll end up eating in expensive, at expensive restaurants, um, you know, Italian restaurants, German pubs and so on, which will cost you probably double what you'll pay if Until you go you to f- a local, you figure it out local then, restaurant. Yeah. And once you've cracked the code, then Precisely. You so you, you can find affordable food, but as you move out to the smaller cities, the prices do become more affordable. The taxis are, uh, are slightly cheaper. The apartments are way cheaper. So yeah, so, so so it all depends on which city you you are living in. That's terrific. Yeah, it's so awesome. So we were <laughs> we were talking to Sia about ways to make himself more interesting to <laughs> Wendy Williams, right? <laughs> and I'm wondering what it is when you were there. What is it that they find fascinating and interesting about us? Yeah, are they are they even interested in South Africa there? Because I mean, a lot of South Africans. Probably don't know a lot about China. Most South Africans wouldn't unless they've been there or unless they've heard a podcast series like this or they've picked up a couple of books. You know, most South Africans, it's a, it's another world. Absolutely. There, there definitely is a lot of interest, um, in, in South Africa. And as people become more and more exposed, um, they definitely are, are very responsive. So, 
um, you know, people ask, as you tell them where you're from, and uh, you'll tell them, oh, Nanfei, and then, you know, they'll tell you, oh, it's, you know, What's safaris, Nanfei? diamonds. South they, Africa and Chinese. Nanfei is South Africa, in, yes, in, in Chinese. So there is definitely a lot of interest. There's been a lot of activity um, in terms of the political relationship between the two mm. countries. I mean, last year, we celebrated 20 years of diplomatic relations mm. between China and South Africa, and there was a lot of activity um, that people were exposed to. And... Um, from a tourism perspective, there's a lot of interest um, in, in visiting uh, South Africa, especially Cape Town. Cape Town is very popular um, amongst the uh, Chinese tourists. And even from, from, a, from a business perspective, um, there's also interest in that a lot of people have not been fully um, exposed to exactly what South Africa is, what South Africa looks like. Um, and so as they see us and as they interact with us and as they see pictures of our homes, of our families, of the places where we come from, some people are surprised. They say, oh, actually, is, is that what, is that what it looks like? Because, um, what, what, uh, what most people are exposed to local, um, in, in China is, is, is an, an aggregated view of Africa. So you may see, you know, the safari, sure. you may see a bit but of But that Kenya, happens with Europeans see, and Americans uh, too. Correct. So know. whereas when you zoom in on South Africa and you suddenly you see Cape Town, you see the Joburg CBD, you see Santon, um, you, see the, you see the malls and the, the brands that people can shop for here. When you see the cars and you see the people and you see the clothes that we wear, there's, you know, people are very interested in, in seeing. What about this, dating? Dating. I'll leave that one to Asi. Why? Watch him. <laughs> um, so dating in Beijing, I guess, is, is very interesting just because of the nature of who's coming to Beijing. A lot of people aren't there to stay. They're there for maybe one year, two years. So you start dating someone, and then after six months, they're like, yeah, I'm going back to Italy. Oh, I'm from Romania. And then it's like, are we going to stay together, or are no. we going to go our separate ways? You see, that's what you're saying. So that's that's maybe what is a great challenge for a lot of people because – Nobody's there to stay really So it's quite a big commitment to make at a very early stage Of your relationship um, But otherwise it's like I think it's like the rest of the world People use dating apps is there meet Tinder? In the, There's Tinder but there's also Tantan Which is the Chinese Tinder Okay, so, so what, uh, Tinder is used by the foreigners a lot And then most, most of the Chinese people use the Tantan But you know um, People can use either one But if you're going to go into Tantan then maybe what you're, looking for. you're Chinese Yeah, <laughs> should be uh, Good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, what do you put on your Tantan profile that would make you like? Well, in your case, for me, just a it. picture would be Ooh. a good start. Huh? Um, what I paid you, him for that. Uh, what, before, before she gets excited about <laughs> like dating in, in Beijing, um, what would you if you did go back now? What would be the first place you'd visit? And if I went with you, what would you show me first? Hmm. It, it, this is Beijing we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, well, let's let's hmm. stay in Beijing, but anywhere, anywhere in China. Yeah, I'd say <laughs> in Beijing, I would probably take you first to the hutongs, hmm. which is the 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 olden day style Chinese buildings, and hmm. it's very special hmm. because they've become almost like a touristic destination, but it's actually people's homes, wow. and it's a very you know Beijing is a bustling city, but when you go to the hutongs, you find maybe three men wearing a Beijing bikini, which is when they lift their vest to here, <laughs> and they're just playing chess together, well, Chinese chess, um, and you'll find just ladies sitting around doing whatever they're doing, like, it's very it's a very authentic experience, and it's in the middle of a big city, 
so it's very yes. special. So definitely somewhere I'd take you. And there's also a whole lot of street food there. Um, so you experience. You can even buy um, boiled uh, boiled mealies on the side of the road, roasted sweet potato, kind of like home. Did I told you all they like us? Mm. Yeah. Roasted is, is is it roasted in the like mbaula? No, just mbaula. It's a mbaula, guys. <laughs> wow, Pumi, yes. you'd be right at home. I think we've got to organize you a trip ASAP. There's slaughtering sheep. There's a mbaula with like sweet yeah, corn. You, this is home this. away from home for you. I could do this. Well, I've got to say, it's really good to hear the first-hand experiences, and a big thank you to Boy Tabiso, who uh, Boy Tabiso who was on the line with us from Beijing. And, and Asi, it's a pleasure to see you. It's a pleasure to see you, Tsipiso. And thank you for sharing your stories with us. This is really, this awesome. is spectacular. Yeah. Thank you for My having pleasure. us. Very, very cool. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, this is How's It China episode four. Don't forget you can join us uh, for another episode of this next week. We'll be talking about even more exciting and interesting things, stuff that you probably might not know about China. And we know lots of people have uh, have only joined in now. So if you've missed out on the first three episodes, you can download those podcasts on cliffcentral.com. This is How's It China with Cliff Central and China Plus. Download the podcast on the Cliff Central website, app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.